coffee is a staple here in our office. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a staple in uh, cheers. Uh, you know. Yep, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> this architect loves coffee. Who would have guessed it? Today, I'm joined by US architect Gary Sadler. Gary is a successful architect and business owner of the architectural practice Upland Architects in Massachusetts, America. Gary also has a particularly special love for coffee, running his own niche coffee business for architecture students called Crit Grit. And Gary has kindly given me a discount code for you guys and girls, so if you want to get some great tasting coffee that you guys need as an architecture student, you need some good coffee, some strong coffee, check out that link in the description below to get a discount on some coffee. In this episode, we hear of Gary's experiences from when he was an architecture student to now running his own architectural practice of at least 15 staff members. He shares with us his experiences and advice, and I can't wait for you to hear all these golden nuggets that I got to take away from chatting with him. So without further ado, let's get straight into it right after the intro. Hello, Gary. Welcome to the show. It's great to finally meet you face to face, even though this is a bit of a weird situation being on Zoom. Um, it's not exactly face to face, but anyways, how are you doing? How are things over there? Great. I'm great, Kyle. Uh, things are going well. Um, we're staying as busy as we can and, uh, you know, I have no complaints. How about That's yourself? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, things are as they have been for the last couple of months, not exactly the most smoothest times. We can say that, but no, yeah, definitely getting through it and things are starting to get better here as well. Cool. But yeah, first off, would you be able to tell us all a bit about yourself, who you are and what do you do? Sure. My name is Gary Sadler. I'm an architect here in the United States. We're located in Massachusetts and we have an office here in Mass and we have another office in North Carolina. You know, our work here at the office is um, retail. We do a lot of restaurant work and uh, a lot of work for convenience stores um, all across the country. You know, the type of work we do is fast paced. Projects don't sit on our desk for very long. Um, We have a good group of people, uh, designers, uh, management, CAD staff, and you know, everybody's working frantically. There is a sense or feel sometimes in the office uh, like you might have in studio. Um, especially towards uh, uh, when we're trying to get projects out the door. I can't remember the last time we had an all-nighter, but there have been some uh, some late nights. Um, yeah. But they're, they're far and few between. And our office size is about 15 people. Like I said, we're, you know, we have a good group. You know, I have some good, good people that work for us, and, and that's what makes it great. Mm. Um, and a lot of the clients we work with are their national clients. Um, I think we have, we have a couple of clients that are international. Um, Coffee, coffee shops, um, you know, you may have heard of Cafe Nero. I don't know if that's uh, down in Australia, but certainly uh, over in Europe for sure. Yeah, it's not a thing over here, but I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's interesting working with clients like that, especially when they first come to the, to, uh, the United States. You know, it's a, it's a lot different, um, their development over, you know, overseas uh, when it comes to, you know, cost of construction, the time it takes to build some of these things and in uh, the code requirements, you know, it's uh, things are a lot different here in the U.S., um, meaning, you know, it's more expensive, it takes longer to build and uh, the code requirements a little seem to be more stringent that some clients can't understand why they can't do certain things. Well, it's, it's not because I say they can't, it's because <laughs> the code, the code says they can't. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, educating our clients is a big thing. Um, mm. 
But uh, what, what our clients, I think, rely on us, you know, most of all is, is to really understand, you know, what their situation is, uh, especially in the retail world. You're not making money unless your, your store, cafe, you know, retail shop is open and, uh, and customers are, you know, buying product. So our job is to sort of knock down the barriers that would, you know, cost them time and money um, so that they can get open uh, timely. So, you know, our, our client is usually somebody that has, is tasked in their company to, to meet a deadline and they have to report to their bosses within the company, you know, mm. weekly, monthly, how, how are you doing? How are things going? You know, they're constantly looking to us to help them meet their goals so that they can report to their their bosses that yeah we're on time we're on budget projects we work on with these guys uh really we're with them from the start right to the day they open so you know we really we really become you know everything from you know getting them their permits with them during construction um you know ironing out any issues that might happen in the field and then um, being there when they get their final inspections, making sure there's no issues with the inspectors, things like that. Um, and then they can turn it over and and get open. So, you 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 know the, the projects, like I said, production-wise, they don't sit in our office for very long. Mm. But um, you know we are with our client on any particular project, um, you know, right from the start all the way till they till they open. That's awesome. And I feel like it's so different doing a lot of this retail design. It's definitely not what we do in architecture school. So I kind of want to know, like, what got you into this retail space and commercial space? What kind of took you down that path? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think what it was, was a result of at the time, what was available for jobs when I came out of school. Mm. I firmly believe that, you know, when you get out of school, I think it's it's good to sample different types of firms that do different types of work that give you um, different types of experience. You know, there's, I think, especially when you first come out of school, I don't think you, I, I don't feel like you want to be sitting behind, you know, a desk, you know, doing stair details yeah. for five years, you know. When I came out of school, um, and you know our, our our profession is very cyclical. I mean, it 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 follows you know the construction industry. So, and that's a cyclical um, industry. It has its highs and its lows. And when I got out of school, it was on a low. So there weren't a lot of jobs out there. In fact, when I first graduated, um, you know I couldn't find a job. So mm-hmm. I I was working um, for a company that was putting up you know store shelving. Wow. And uh, in like, you know, super centers and Walmarts <laughs> and, and, and things like that. But um, but I kept at it and and fell into a an architectural firm, a small firm in Boston. And uh, that's what they were doing was retail projects. And I was there for three years. And being a small firm over there, I, I really was able to to do a lot of things, including design. Mm. Um, so at such a young age, you know, it's it's I think every architecture student wants to come out of school and continue to design like mm. like you do now, right? But that's not often the case. I know here in our firm, what we look for f- when kids come out of school is someone that can, you know, do modeling, that can that can draft, that can be that production um, person, mm. uh, not necessarily doing design. I had an opportunity to, to do that in the first three years out of school. So I, I did like it. I did, you know, I did move on to other um, firms, a firm that did some residential 
Um, I actually took some time in between and, and worked for a gaming company. Wow. Um, I was doing graphics for a, a game company for a little while, um, but then fell back into um, another retail firm. And, um, and it just, it just happened. And I, I liked it. I just, I, I think what I liked maybe most about it was it was fast paced and it, mm. it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like school. I mean, you have projects, they don't linger for very long. Um, you know, especially when you get, you have to make your presentation, there's a, mm. a, a flurry of activity and work for production. You know, you've got to start producing. Yep. Um, and then just like that, it's over and, and, you know, but it's not, you know, then yeah. there's the, then next the next project, thing. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, but that's, that's how I got into it, Kyle. That's how I, I uh, stumbled into it. And then what ends up happening, you know, I've heard you on, on your channel talk about it. I mean, uh, in terms of networking, but when you, when you're in an environment like that for so long, you tend to meet and see the same people mm. and they tend to, they get to know you. And, mm. and, you know, as your, uh, you know, I was very interested, uh, early on of having my own firm. You know, I always advertise that. I always, I always let people know anybody that would listen, I'd let them know, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And, awesome. and, you know, you know, like you, I mean, you, you, you get advice and, and you hear from different variety of people and then you, you, you start to kind of get on a path and a, and a, and a, and a, and a track that gets you to, you know, what you're focusing on, yeah. you know, Emotive. and that was my focus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's how I got interested in it. Uh, like I said, I, I sampled a few other things, a little bit of residential, a little bit of graphics and, and, and computer gaming. Um, Bit but of everything, I, really. I, uh, yeah, yeah, and I tell you, I mean, and I can, I can think, I think you're going to look back. I think I certainly do. That each experience I had, I learned something that you know I carried, and I still carry with me. Um, I, you know, I still tell some of the guys in the office uh, things that I've I learned that really made an impression on me on some of those you know earlier jobs I had when I came out of school. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of took you off path there, but you also are starting this, well, I'm not too sure how long you've been running it for, but this coffee niche architecture business, I guess. Could you tell us a bit yeah. about that and what Crit Grit's all about? Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess, uh, you know, coffee um, is a staple here in our office. Um, <laughs> it's a staple in, uh, cheers, uh, you know. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a, it was a staple in studio when, yeah. when we were in school. And, uh, and so as time has gone on, and like I said, I've kept in touch with uh, a lot of my classmates. I mean, we, um, I don't have enough hands to, 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 <laughs> to figure out how many years we've been out of school, but you know, you start to, to reflect and, and look back on, on things. And I, I just, you know, stumbling into your channel, seeing some other, uh, um, students and, and, you know, we're active, uh, with the um, university that that I graduated from, and we hire a lot of um, students, uh, co-op students uh, is what they're called. You know, they mm. they work here for a summer or for a semester, and um, I um, you know, I, I'm close with the school. You know, being back on campus, you know, you start to, you know, kind of get those feelings. Uh, <laughs> you know, what it was like when you when you when you were back there, right? Um, so just trying to trying to recreate that that feeling or that that studio culture uh, feeling, and you know, where coffee sort of bound us or is sort of like the galvanizing um, element of it all. I wanted to sort of create something. Um, that, you know, students could come to, 
um, and working professionals and, and not, not, you know, architecture students definitely, but I think, I think we share a lot in common with design students in general, you know, mm. um, where you could sort of come and, and, you know, share your experiences, learn from others. Um, I'm certainly willing to share my experiences, um, whether it be what, you know, how, how I, we did things in school or, or what's happening here at the office um, and, and, you know, you know, my journey to, to being an architect and all that. So, and then that, that's sort of, what that, um, you know, what Crit Grid is really all about. And, and so what I, I hope to do is, as time goes on is to try to, you know, get a better understanding, um, you know, maybe from your audience or, or from others out there, you know, what, what are you interested in? I mean, what, what questions do you have mm. that, that I could be, you know, could help? I, I think one of the things I've, I've noticed is that, you know, just working here with co-op students, I, there's a lot of, um, mystery as to you know what what it's like to be an architect mm. what it's like to to run an office and it's not surprising because I was always wondering that too myself but I always feel like if you can give um, a student like yourself Kyle or, or or some of your classmates a better understanding of of what it's like sitting here today in an office you know uh, that might help motivate you to to you know do things maybe differently, or or maybe maybe you, you come to the realization sooner than later that maybe this architecture isn't for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what Crit Grit Coffee is about. Uh, yes, we sell coffee, um, but we also want it to be a place where people can come and, and give and get advice. I think, and that's, that's awesome. uh, and that's what we're trying to do. And I'm still trying to get you some coffee. Um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, it, it's it's Can't on wait. its way. It just it just takes a long time to get to <laughs> South Australia from yeah. here. So it is the Anyways. other side of the world, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. So on that topic, anyways, then I kind of want to go back to what it was like when you. Well, actually, I want to go to the very start, I guess, and then kind of work through your journey chronologically. I guess the first point then would be when did you decide to start architecture, and what made you want to start architecture? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question. I, I think I think it was. I always liked drawing, you know, and mm. I think you may hear, hear that from a lot of different um, <laughs> architects. I guess that's what kind of pushed me into it. I, I had some friends that liked drawing as well, but they went to art school, and uh, but I think I think you know, I like building things. I mean, you know, it's a cliche, but you know, we, we had the Legos and we mm. were always playing with Legos as kids. So it may have been that combination. And I, I think as I got, as I saw it, you know, that was when the decision was made. And when I, when I, my first year in school, I think what I was probably more attracted to as I started to get into it was more the, um, the nuts and bolts of it, um, mm. you know, how things went together. I mean, the school I graduated from was a little more uh, heavy on the, the that aspect, the constructability aspect, maybe more so than than the design. But you know, architecture is is a combination of both. I mean, we are designing not a piece of art that hangs on the wall. This is a piece of art that people you know move in, live in. Mm. I mean, you know, so there are a lot of other things, as you know, that that go into uh, that than just you know throwing um some ink on a piece of paper you know um but so so that's what kind of got me into it but as like i said as i got as i started school and and started to learn about you know structure and and you know how to size beams and things like that that's what really interested me in it and i think as time went on i i think i just became interested more in uh business and, and, and how to, how, how the business of architecture, you know, could be, how, how I could make it successful. When I was in school, 
I think I was very regimented. I think I had a, a, you know, I had a schedule right down to, Mm. you know, the minutes of what I was doing. And, uh, I I think that, yeah, I I think, uh, you know, it it taught you how to be a little bit more organized when it came to tasks Mm. and, and getting tasks done. Um, you know, we have a saying around here in the office, you know, it, it design pencils down. I mean, there's a point at which you have to start producing or else, you know, in your case, you're not going to have anything to pin up. Or in our <laughs> case, we're not going to have anything to, to submit. Hence, we're not going to get paid. Yeah. Um, so it's, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Design pencils have to come down and, and you have to start uh, producing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know it's challenging too. I know I'm getting a little bit off topic, but I, I think uh, for design student, you know, I was fought, fought with myself to, to put my design pencil down because you always felt like you could do something better, you know? Mm. And, um, but that's what, that's what design school, you know, when I look back, design school does teach you a lot of things that translate into business. And, and that's one of them. I mean, you know, there's a lot of work, it seems like that's thrown on you and there's little time to get it done. You know, that's business, I think in general, especially in our business. So, you know, the sooner you can break apart what, you know, what it is your tasks are to get to that end, uh, the better off you'll be as, as you, you know, journey, as you continue your journey in, in this, uh, in this field, you know, mm. um, I think that's, you know, one of the things I learned and, and it's always stuck with me is, is, you know, just, you've got to be a little more, um, you've got to be sort of focused and a little more, um, uh, list oriented. And yeah. that's, that's how I did. Now design isn't, I think a lot of people think that design is not, uh, can't be that way. I mean, design is sort of, you know, you get inspiration, you know, and it's, it, it takes time for that to happen. And, mm. um, and, and that's, that is true. It's just in the business of architecture, you have to put a time limit on that. Yeah. And you've got to, you've got to come up with those, uh, with those ideas, you know, quickly. Mm. And it, it does help when it's collaborative, your classwork, my classwork, there's a lot of, um, you know, team projects. Um, I, I know, I know you had said it's one of the, one of the reasons why you don't like architecture school <laughs> is you've got a, you've got these group projects and you've got this guy who's not pulling his weight and, and you know, the slacker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it does, it, it, it teaches you how to manage that and, exactly and how right. to manage a project. And, you know, and I'm not talking about my, I mean, you have your internal team, but we also have our consultants, you know, mm-hmm. our, our mechanical consultants, our structural consultants who also have to march along with us. Sometimes uh, we, we call them the, the square wheel. That's mm. the consultant that needs to be constantly pushed yeah. to, to, to move. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just the way we have to manage that, that consultant is, mm. is a little bit more pushing. Whereas other consultants, uh, you set them off, they come back and, and it, it's exactly the way you had, uh, you were hoping it would, it would come back. So your classmates are the same way. I mean, you've, you're going to have that square wheel. Um, you're going to have that guy who, you know, knows exactly what needs to be done um, and that you can count on. And that's a guy you want to go into business with, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, stay close to him. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, you learn, there, there are a lot of things that translate that I didn't realize at the time in mm. architecture school that do translate into, you know, uh, into business. Yeah. There's a whole big difference between designing and then running a business, which I think 
really fascinating. And a lot of students that I've taught to, they have this ambition of running their own firm, as you mentioned earlier, and it's it does seem like it's this widespread ambition for most people. But what do you think are some of the biggest differences that you have faced with running your own business compared to what it was like, you know, just working for somebody else or just in design school? What are those main differences? When when I started our, our firm, and I say our firm because back when I when, when our firm started and we were working on our own, I was with, um, I started it with my roommate from, from school. Oh, wow. So, uh, so we, you know, we had worked together in an office uh, for a stint and then, you know, more and more were, were uh, our, our bosses were putting more and more on us uh, to design and make, make presentations and, and produce the set and all that. And, you know, we had that desire to do this. And, and one day we woke up and said, you know, wh- what's the difference between what we're doing now at the office versus what we could be doing on our own? And, and mm. you know, that was the thought. But there is <laughs> like there is a lot more to it than just that. And so when we were working at the office together as, you know, as the employees, even though we felt like we were doing everything, there was the whole other side of, of the business mm. that we had no experience with and had really no, we weren't participating in that because we were working on the projects, you know? Um, so, you know, it, the, so as time went on, um, my partner and I, um, we, we did split and then I, you know, came off and, and um, did my own thing and he continued on and we were still friends and we still talked. But um, the hardest thing about running the business is realizing that you can't do it all. Mm. In in design school, you're doing pretty much all of it, right? Yeah. I mean, you are the designer, you are the draftsperson, you know, you're giving the presentations, you're the manager and, and the occasional group project. I mean, it's sort of still the same. You may be delegating some certain tasks and things like that. But you keep running a business, at least at the, at the pace our business goes, you, you can't be all things. Mm-hmm. So you have to then realize, well, how do I start to delegate some of this work? And that's the hardest part about running a successful architectural firm is understanding when it's time to break away from some of the things that you constantly do. Now, to those decisions are made easy when you know how to make them. And, and I didn't. So I was, you know, I would just, you know, I'd hire a drafts person here, drafts person there, and that's what they would do. But I found myself still doing a lot of things. I had some drafting help, but again, it's, it, 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 it wasn't working out. And I think what I came to the realization um, was that you have to uh, understand what you're good at or what's important that only you can do. Mm. And when you're running a business, um, you know, there's that whole other part of invoicing, um, paying the bills, um, managing, you know, you got to manage not only clients, but your staff, there's your, your office space and, and, you know, the, the issues that come up with, I don't know, the heat's not working or, or <laughs> the, you know, the, the plumbing, you got a leak in the toilet or whatever. Yeah. Um, but when you start to understand what you're good at, and, and what you're not good at, that uh, it really opens things up and then really starts to treat 
your design business, not like a sole proprietorship where you're doing everything, mm. but more like a company and you, you know, you start to run it like a company. And so that's probably the biggest thing is try to understand, you know, what you, what you're good at and what you're not good at and find what you're not good at. You need to find people that are better at that than you. And, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, although I liked drawing and all that, I was more interested in the buildability and constructability of projects. So I don't necessarily think I was the, um, I'm, I'm a, you know, super designer, but you know, I have, um, I have guys in the office here that are awesome at that. And um, so together, Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we could, we do some, some great things, you know? Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a learning process for sure. When yeah. you, uh, when you, when you start a firm, but if you know ahead of time, some of those things, I think you get up to speed a lot faster, you know, oh, yeah. I, I, it took me a while to learn these things, you know? Yeah. So what, when I left, when my partner and I split, I mean, my partner and I, I think we wanted to do the same things and we may have been good at the same things. And, and, you know, I think we needed, we needed a little more diversity and, and, you know, and for a while it was just he and I, I mean, we did hire some staff and all that, but when I left, it was just me again. I still didn't understand those, those things, but it took me a little while as the company grew from that point on, you know, how to treat it more like a business and less like school. Mm. You know, unless, you know, so that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably one of the big things that you should understand um, if you want to, if you want to run your, you know, treat architecture like a business is, um, you know, it's not about, it's not about taking studio uh, and, 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 you know, trying to make money with it. You really have this other things you've got to think about, you know. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that you've made a lot of mistakes and you know it would be a lot faster if you already knew these things but I guess those things only come with experience but the fact is that we're and you know when I say we I mean me and the people listening to this as well we're listening to your experiences and your mistakes and so we're learning from other people's experiences you know that's the fastest way to learn I guess to find people who have done it and then learn from those people and I want to go back to your journey and keep tying this back into, you know, your pathway through to where you are now. I think that's really interesting to get all these little side bits as well. Um, and just, you know, I can see you get lit up yep. when we start talking about some of these things. Um, so <laughs> what year did you graduate and, you know, what did that mean for you? Because I guess that's the next step after architecture school, graduating, getting a job, blah, blah, blah. You know, what did that mean for you? What was that next step for you after architecture school? Well, so I graduated in uh, 1992. I'm not sure where you were on the planet. <laughs> you probably weren't on the planet. No, uh, quite <laughs> on the planet, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, there was a, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so I, I think when we, when I, when I graduated, you know, there was always that feeling that I, I wanted to get registered as, you know, as a registered architect as quick as I could. You know, there's a path to, to that here in the United States. It's, it's three years of you know internship. You've got to you have to meet some requirements in terms of experience in certain categories. Um, you know, like you know on-site observation during construction and construction documents and things like that. But like I said earlier, it, it you know so I wanted to get on that path quickly. Once you once you fulfill all those obligations, then it's take take the exam, which very few people pass it the first time. But uh, wow. yeah, I I. I was on that path. I was trying to get on that path as quick as I could. And I, I met the requirements after three years. So I was ready to take the exam as far as, you know, 
the architecture board was concerned, I had all the paperwork, but I think looking back, you know, I, I definitely wasn't ready to, hmm. to take the exam. I, and I think that was evident. I mean, I didn't pass it um, the first go around. Um, I didn't even come close. I think wow. uh, back then, I think there were 12 or 13 parts and I think I passed one or two <laughs> and it would, it, it would, it wouldn't be until, um, it wouldn't be until six years later that, uh, you know, I finally, you know, passed the exam and that, that wow. it wasn't, I wasn't taking the exam for six years. It just, a lot <laughs> of things in, interrupted it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the other thing was, I, I think I didn't have, you know, the, the, the actual experience. Um, I think you'd, I needed more experience um, in, in various aspects. And, and like you said, that experience just came with, with time and, and with the projects I was exposed to and the people I talked to and, and the groups I was networking with and things like that. So yeah, when I graduated, that was, that was it. And so in, you know, was it 92 when I graduated, um, you know, there weren't a lot of jobs as, as I mentioned. Yeah. And, you know, we were, we were basically trying to, trying to take what we could, what we could get, you know, but prior to that, I guess I, I don't want to skip over it. I mean, our school did have, some opportunities to, to during the semesters, like we hire our co-op students. There, there was a co-op program and, um, you know, there were, there were opportunities to get experience. And again, I, I, a story I like telling all the time was my, my first co-op job. I was so excited. It was in Boston, in downtown. Uh, my interview was on the 30th floor of this, of high rise and it overlooked Boston Harbor wow. and, uh, you know, interview went great. And, uh, you know, I got the call back that I, I was going to get the job and I just had visions of, you know, sitting in this plush office, you know, drafting table, computer, you know, a view of the airport over the water. And, uh, and, uh, that's, uh, that, that, that was just the dream because where I ended up working was on the fourth floor of the building that had no windows. It was the, wow. the, uh, it was basically the, 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 um, physical plant. It was where all the mechanical equipment oh, was wow. a, a lot of the, so it, my job, um, <laughs> was to organize all the drawings for the, you know, the 30 some odd, 40 some odd story building, uh, that had just been in, you know, in a pile all those years. But, um, you know, so I always looked forward to lunch where I could see daylight. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was great. But, um, but I, I did learn a lot there. I, I, you know, there were a lot of good people there. I, look back on that experience, uh, it taught me something. It, it, you know, it taught me how to, uh, how to make the best of what I thought was going to be a great situation and, mm -hmm. and, you know, how, how to make the best of that. And, um, so I had some experience getting out of school and, uh, it, it just weren't a lot of jobs and, and, you know, yeah. but again, you know, I think as a architecture student teaches you to, to persevere, I mean, you may, you may get a bad crit, uh, you know, but you know, you've got to pull yourself back up and, and learn from that and keep going. I was on a lot of interviews and, you know, just couldn't connect and, and, and just wasn't, wasn't uh, landing on a job. And, uh, but continue to update my resume and, and try different things, talk to different people. And, um, you know, finally had, had, uh, it was it landed a job in in Boston uh, at a retail firm, and uh, you know, and that sort of set me on my path, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in the retail side of things. You know, I think back along the way that the different 
our other architects that you, you work with and the advice they give you. I, I think as an architect, you know, we talk about you're creating something. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's more than just a sculpture that sits on a desk. I mean, people are using this and, uh, you know, they're, they're living in it, you know, they're, they're, you know, going to movies in, in these buildings that you design. And so, uh, you know, life safety in, in building design is, is critical to what we do. And I do, I remember an architect I worked for who, who sort of told me that lesson and he was helping me with a, a design project. And he said, you know, uh, you know, my, my question was, you know, why do we need so many doors? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, who's going to really know if we had if we had five doors versus four doors? Um, well, the, first of all, the code requires it. <laughs> but he said, you know, the the worst thing you'd ever want to have happen in your career is somebody, you know, was was injured or or you know, God forbid, somebody dies in a building, and it was it was something that you you know you was negligence on your part. So, mm. you know, that's always stuck with me. The projects we work on in the retail environment, you know, we have the public in there. Um, the public is constantly coming in and out of those things. And, you know, you, you want to be sure that you're designing these things to meet the code. And that's, I said earlier, a lot of our clients that come from overseas, the codes aren't exactly li- aligned. So mm. they may be more stringent here. And, and it costs more money to do some things when it comes to life safety. Um, but you always want to do that. And that's something we're always stressing here at the office. So, uh, again, it was a lesson I learned, um, you know, one of the first few jobs I had um, that that's, you know, you want to take that seriously. And, and, and that's sort of what you're charged with, um, you know, as as an architect is, is um, the health, sa- safety and welfare of, of the public. Yeah. So um, you're like that's a something sheriff. That people don't yeah. usually, um, <laughs> that's something people don't usually, I guess, think about often, especially students. You just think about designing cool buildings, but right. Right. Yeah, the safety of people inside that building is not something to not think about. <laughs> that that's right. That's right. And and you know, so yeah, aisle widths have to be proper. Um, the egress components, um, you know, and again, uh, you know, the best architects uh, design for that, and they make these beautiful looking buildings. You know, they mm-hmm. can incorporate both, and that's um, you know, that's key. Yeah, that's um, a skill to learn. Definitely, definitely. And that's, uh, and again, that's something I think in, in school, I don't think we ever learned about building code, um, maybe with the exception of, 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 a you know, sort of, you know, you need a, you need a egress door in the back and an egress Mm. door at the front, maybe. Um, and there's a lot more to it is depending on the types of buildings, housing, you know, propane, or, or Mm. you've got a nightclub with, you know, um, you know, a high occupancy. I mean, it's, there's different codes, um, different, different requirements. And that's, that's something I think you should know that and learn it and, and be an expert in that. Um, I think that'd be very helpful in, in, you know, an architect's career. Mm, For sure. But I feel like that would also just come with experience. You can't know everything about, you know, designing for a nightclub or someone storing propane. There's just not that many scenarios in architecture school to learn that. Exactly. That's um, true. That that's yeah. that's exactly true. And 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 that's how I learned. You know, I, yeah. I it, it, projects come in and you have no. You know, it's a it's a brand new project type. Um, you know, residential. We don't we we do virtually no residential. So someone went, if somebody has a residential code question, I have to go into the code to try <laughs> to find it because we're, we're just not that. We just don't use it every day. So yeah. and and the code book is not something you can 
it, you can pick up. It's, it's, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a history of architecture book, you know, you can't, you can't pick it up and read it. So I, no. I think you're absolutely right. You know, mm. you do have to learn some of these things, but, but that's just something again, a, a, along the path and the journey, uh, you know, these little, little nuggets and, and bits and pieces that you pick up along the way that kind of stay with you. Exactly. Um, you know, that was, that was something that kind of, that kind of stuck with me. And, uh, and again, and I, and I try to pass that along those types of things to, to, you know, the guys and girls here at the office, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So could you tell us about the transition from working for someone else to then running your own show? What was that sure. transition period like? Yeah. You know, I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to you know, run an office. So I think that the, the transition was, you know, I mentioned I, I was working with uh, my former roommate and classmate at the same retail office. And, you know, we had just been tasked with designing a, a, you know, a retail building for a, a regional uh, chain of retail. And, um, you know, we were pulling some late nights and I think an all nighter there. And, and, wow. uh, and, you know, we made the presentation, uh, the owner of the, of the office was nowhere to be found. So we, we did this from, from start to finish. And I think that's uh-huh. what gave us the confidence that, you know, we could do this. And like I said earlier, there's, there's a whole other piece that we were missing at the time. Um, <laughs> but it gave us enough encouragement to, to do that. And, and I think one of the things I, if you are interested in, in running your firm, and you get that experience to be able to start a project from beginning to end with somebody else paying you to do that, you know, your risk uh, is, is uh, there's no risk there. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're just learning while somebody's paying you and, and you're doing your best, obviously. But we were, out, we were out advertising or marketing, if you will. I mean, anybody in our circle outside the office that was willing to listen to us knew that we were interested in starting our, our own firm. And uh, that would include some some of the clients that we were dealing with, you know. And I think, um, like any business, uh, you know, personalities matter. Clients generally, especially in our retail uh, realm, it, it may not necessarily be with the firm because of the firm name per se. It, it's really the people they work with, you know. Yeah. So if somebody they like kind of moves from an office to office, um, you know, they'll generally follow, you know, and, and so that's what happened. We, we started to make it known that we wanted to start our own um, firm. We got a lot of encouragement and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, after work, there was more and more talk of, uh, you know, specifics, how would we would <laughs> do this, what we would need, um, where we would set up shop. Um, and, you know, most of all, you know, what would we be working on? You know, mm. um, you can't, it, it, I highly discourage, you know, getting everything set up, hanging your shingle out, outside <laughs> and then waiting for work to come in. Yep. Um, I, I think no matter what business it is, uh, whether it's this design or the, the coffee business, you kind of want to hit the ground running with, with a project. Like I said earlier, I mean, we, we made lists, we're good at making lists and we had a list of all these prospective clients that, that were going to come to our firm and we were going to, we, we were going to be so busy. It was going to be, it was going to be crazy, you know? Uh, well, well, if I was to look back at that list, I, I don't think there were any projects on that list that actually happened as wow. much as we thought they would. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, we mentioned that, that this business is cyclical. Mm. I think, uh, if you, if, you know, you want to give yourself the best odds of, of success when you start any business, if you can identify when it's busy, um, where, you know, 
anybody who drops a line in the water can catch a fish. Mm. Uh, if you can identify where, when that is, that's when we started our business. So yeah. even though wow. we didn't, even though we didn't, uh, none of the things on the list that we thought would be projects came, came to fruition. Um, there was plenty of work out there. And, and as time went on, we realized that anybody could, you know, an architect, any architect we felt could just say, Hey, I'm here. And, you'd get work. And I think what, you know, that may not have been the case, but that's the way we felt. But what, what we realized is that, you know, when the, when the downturn comes again, when the cycle goes back down and it's, it's, you know, it's not, doesn't mean that there's no work. It's just that you can't throw a line in the water and everybody catches a fish. Mm. You have to be really good at what you're doing so that you can make it to the next high point of, of, of that wave of that cycle. So we, we tried very hard and we worked very hard to do the things that retail clients in this case want done. You know, Mm. they want speed, they, they want things done uh, efficiently. They, Mm. you know, so we, we were, we were focused on that and we, we did everything we could to do that. And, and as time went on, we started to niche ourselves. You know, I've never been a believer that you could be everything to, to all people. Like I, I can't, you know, say I'm going to do residential, I'm going to do retail, I'll do high rise, I'll do urban planning. I mean, there are firms out there that may do that, but uh, we, we found our success, especially early on. I think it's what juices your firm is when you, is when you niche yourself and you, you, your the facade that you, that you're given is that you're giving other people is that these guys are the experts in it, mm-hmm. and and so we were the experts, or we were marketing ourselves as the experts in in retail, and and if you can get a brand name retailer in your portfolio, even if it's a, a one project, even even if it's a you know a bathroom redo yeah. uh, in, in their facility, you 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 put the spotlight on that, and as time goes on, you'll start to see more of that work come. Now, I worked for a firm again. That this is you know one of those nuggets that you you kind of keep with you but you don't realize at the time I, I worked for a firm that did a lot of residential work but what I didn't know at the time and I knew later was that that residential portion of his his office was made up about 20 percent of his business and I was working on retail project constantly but to know it only made up such a small percentage of his business I was like well you know what else was he doing yeah. well, what I, I, I what I wasn't paying attention to was the guy who was doing piping drawings for you know petroleum refineries that was 80 percent of this architect's business wow. but he ne- he never he he didn't he didn't advertise that um, he was always niching for the residential stuff. Mm. Um, so, so in the projects he was, he was, he wasn't just any residential. It was, ve- it was very high end residential. So he would get, you know, a couple of big clients. They would keep myself and, and you know, a, a small office busy for, you know, these projects would go on forever. Yeah. Um, wow. But, but he was, he wasn't advertising, he was niching and he continued to get residential work, you know, mm. and that's, that, that kind of stuck with me that you can do other things in your firm, mm. but it, it's best to advertise or market or niche market, uh, the things that may be more, more profitable or, mm. or projects that, um, that your office is, is suited to do, mm. you know, um, you know, the talent in your office is better suited to to produce drawings quickly versus, you know, doing details of cornices um, or, you know, or, you know, constantly, you know, niche marketing 
your your firm is 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 going to give you that that boost um, so that it'll give you some freedom to do other things if you want to but but when you're starting and you're looking for your next project you know that that that's i think you know key to to getting the next project when we look at the specifics of your day to day as a business owner, an architectural business owner, what does it look like for you as someone who's running a team? You're still an architect at your firm. It's not like you're just running the business. So how does that work for you? How are you managing that, you know, still designing, still working on these technical drawings yeah. and everything that you do as well as managing others? Yeah. So I think what, what happens now is um, I'm involved in every project, but but at a higher level. And right. and I, 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 I need to be involved in every project because my stamp, um, you know, goes on it. So I'm, I'm basically certifying that, you know, it meets all the building codes and, and the health, uh, safety and welfare of everybody is, is good. So my, my, what, what ends up and how I do that now is, you know, I've, you know, we have our weekly meetings. We have staff that are capable of, of doing the things that need to be done to make sure that we're meeting the client's expectation. We're, we're building or designing these things to code and so on. Um, you know, we have our, our weekly meetings. Um, I'm fully updated on, on, you know, the progress and the issues. Um, and that's the other thing. I mean, you know, w- when issues come up, you know, there might be some experience that I can bring to the table to help resolve some of those and, and, and vice versa. What I'm tasked with at the end of the project is giving the, the, the drawings a review for those items that, that sort of are the most important, I, I feel, and, right. and before, before they get the, um, my stamp on them. So managing the office is part of it. And then again, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm working with our accounting manager on, on you know, timely invoicing you know, and, and collecting that money. Uh, that's, that's key to any business is yep. uh, I, I, I can tell you that, um, again, coming out of school, starting a business with your roommate, uh, having that mentality that that running the business is an extension of of studio, we didn't invoice for projects until months after they were done. And then you think, then you're realizing, you know, whoa, geez, where where's our where's the next paycheck coming from? Um, and you know, we have uh, as time has gone on, we've developed um, systems. I mean, that that's just any business an architecture business really um, can benefit from developing a system for almost everything you do to help it run better, more profitable. And, and so we have systems for producing drawings. We have standards for producing drawings, things that take sort of the thinking out of it so that everything looks the same, mm. um, is produced quickly and efficiently. And we do the same when it comes to, you know, let's just say collecting money. I mean, we have, um, a system in place on, you know, when we when we invoice, how we follow up with the client to make sure they got the invoice. Um, you know, 30 days later, if it has been paid, you know, it, there's there's a series of events that happen, um, and it's all laid out. It's all on a on a sheet of paper, um, mm-hmm. and and no matter who is is making those phone calls or who's working on those drawings, um, there is a list of sort of the 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 things that we we want to see here in the office done so that we can run it you know efficiently and mm-hmm. and when you're running any business the more efficient you can make it run you know the the more money you know you'll make and i think i can't i can't speak for other architects but i i, I can only speak for myself and i you know again running a business for for many years without that mindset you're not doing yourself a favor if if uh, you, you're going to you're going to work harder mm. and it, without 
the benefit of working hard. So once you learn how to, how to get efficient and treat your architectural firm like a business, you can work really hard and you can, you can you know, find yourself making more money. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone who, who's running a business, that's sort of what you, what you hope to do is, is you want to make more money. There's more risk there, obviously. There's, there's a little more time. If you, if you get things set up, um, you'll find that you know, your business can start to run with, with less and less input from you, which in that, in, when that happens, you know, it affords you a little more time to, to try other things like the coffee business. Mm. Um, or, you know, we have another business that, um, that supplies ventilation equipment to, uh, to nail salons, you know, another niche Mm. Um, market that um, that spun off of some projects we were working on, but those things could never happen if if the business wasn't running. I don't want to say it's on autopilot, but that's the goal: mm. is to get any business to run on autopilot. Like, meaning when you have a plane on autopilot, it doesn't mean that you're not flying the plane. You still have to check the gauges. You mm. still have to to check in on it, make sure things are running properly, make sure there's enough fuel in the tank, and all that. Um, but you're not, you don't literally have your hands on the stick making every movement, you know. Yeah. If you can start your business with that as an end goal, I think everything you do will get you to that goal uh, a lot quicker, mm. you know. So, so, treat, so treat it like a business. Um, you know, it is fun. It's what we know, the design aspect of it, the fr- frenetic pace of it. Um, I, that's all, it's always been there my, my whole career. I think if, if you, if you like that, you know, if you, if you, if you love caffeinating yourself, uh, you know, that'll continue. Um, and, and and so, uh, but I think you don't want to burn out like we Mm. often do sometimes in studio, uh, when you, when you start an architectural business, you, you want to be in there for the long run. There's a lot of similarities, like I mentioned, but, um, you know, to studio, but you, you, uh, you know, you won't make it if you don't treat it like a business. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary, I can see you've got some coffee back there now that we're talking about caffeinated and it's making me a bit thirsty as well, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask what makes this coffee, you know, different to normal coffee. I know that it's about the community and, you know, getting people, architecture students to engage with you know, the profession of architecture. But yeah, could you tell us a bit about those three specific ones behind you there? Yeah, we've got, um, let me see if I can get over there to get to them. (laughs) Yeah, this is, Kyle, what I was trying to do here is I wanted to give, I wanted to have a brand Mm. um, of coffee that niched to the design student that could be part of a sort of a collection. But, But more than that, uh, something that we could identify with as as architecture students, um, you know, we have studio, we have late nights, mm. uh, we have what we called back in school crit week. I don't know yep. if you guys call it that. Um, yep, yep. You know, but but each so so, you know, my vision is is you know, student has this uh, in the studio, and and these things are are laying around, um, you know, mostly empty. Mm. Um, but <laughs> they, they're, they're set up to, with different, uh, caffeine levels. So, mm. um, you know, I think when we were in school, uh, 
I think it was, you know, drinking coffee black and trying to find the high test coffee was key, especially uh, towards presentation deadlines. <laughs> but uh, but you don't necessarily need to be drinking that all the time. Yep. So the, the studio studio blend is sort of a, a regular caffeinated uh, blend. Then late night is is got a little bit more caffeine. And it definitely, uh, this is sort of, this is sort of my favorite because, uh, it's just enough caffeine without, without keeping me up all night. And, <laughs> and then of course we've got, uh, then we've got crit week, which mm. is, uh, is sort of, um, the high octane. Um, there's no, there's no doubt this, this the will keep stuff. you going. This is the good stuff. This is, this is, this is gold right here. You know, oh, this yeah. is gold. So, but anyways, yeah, no, that's, uh, and I, and I, you know, so, you know, I'm just kind of, um, like I said earlier, I think coffee it, and the way we, we drank coffee in studio, it was like that time for a break, mm. um, you know, where everyone had been working so hard, it was starting to get late and everyone just wanted to, to take a break and, 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 you know, it was off to the coffee maker and it was, you know, sometimes just a reason just to, to, you know, mess around, you know, yeah. and, uh, and just let off some steam, but but we all knew it. We were, you know, we were going to be in for it. And, uh, and, you know, coffee was always something that, that everybody looked forward to, you know, mm. um, there wasn't, I can't think of a desk that didn't have like a, a coffee stain <laughs> on it or, 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 you know, there were times where, you know, coffee spills on yep. final drawings uh, yep. back then or, or on somebody's model, um, <laughs> an issue, but, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. And I, I think that mm. that's sort of the intent. And, and um, you know, again, I, I'd love to, um, you know, if your your listeners and your viewers are interested, I mean, mm. I'm, I'm happy to to offer. We have a discount that we can give um, yeah. your group uh, specifically to your listeners. That'd be awesome. If we can set something up like that, um, and then I'll put a link in the description um, once we sort that out and, yeah, get a discount off some coffee. Yeah, that'd absolutely. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. And I, I've got, I've got my stuff coming out to you with a couple of little goodies. Like I said, it's just awesome. taking a little longer for some reason. So yeah. keep an eye open for that. You know, uh, we'll do. I'll show yeah, everyone yeah. as well uh, what's coming in the mail and then hopefully get some people pumped up to buy some uh, crit yeah. grit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's going to help you help get you through. And then yeah. I think as time goes on, I think, you know, I, I think you'll end up using this, uh, for those late nights and when you start your own business. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, we are coming to the end of the show, Gary. I just yep. wanted to ask one last question. Um, being that the audience watching this, you know, they're all architecture students or aspiring architecture students. So what do you think is the one thing that makes architecture students successful? I think uh, what's going to make you successful, or your, your classmates successful, or any architectural student successful, uh, those crits uh, can be tough and, yep. and devastating. And uh, you have to treat them as constructive um, advice. I don't, I don't even like to say criticism. It's, it's constructive advice. Yep. And, and just remember that as you go on in your architectural journey, uh, that's going to help you because everything we do here in the office is always critiqued. Um, not just internally, but clients constantly, um, wanting things revised and changed and, and they don't, you know, if they don't like it, uh, they don't, 
there's no sugar coating that yep. they don't like it. They'll, they'll tell you. Um, and, and, and the other thing I'd say is just stay focused. To be successful, I think, is to be organized and and that, that helps take some of the stress away, I think. Mm. Uh, when you can see it on paper that, you know, you've got a plan to get things done, um, then I think that's going to help you feel better and it's going to help you work better. And I think you'll be more successful when it comes time for your presentations. Um, so those would be the two big things. Um, and then, you know, uh, just have fun and stay awake. You know, that's, that's it. <laughs> you can't, you can't be successful if you don't stay awake. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Well, Gary, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been awesome just hearing your journey, hearing your advice, hearing your experiences and mistakes you've made as well. So I'm glad you've been extremely, um, transparent about everything. I think it's really awesome that you spent the time to chat with me and chat with everyone else who's listening as well. Yeah, that's it from me. I just want to say thank you. And yeah, really, I I appreciate it. No, I I appreciate you having me on. I think what you're doing is is great. I I wish you, you know, this channel was around uh, (laughs) when I was in school, but I I think, you know, being able to pull um, together a library of, of um, material that, that students can go to. I mean, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to help students. I, I, I'm the same way. If, if you, the more you know, the more you learn from others, uh, mm-hmm. the better you'll do, I think. So I think you're doing a great thing in it. In it and that's, that's, you know, it shows. That's, uh, that's why your, your videos pop up on my, uh, <laughs> up on my suggested list. So oh, I love that. Good for oh, you. Good for thank you. Thank you so Good. much. So Good. yeah, I really appreciate right. that. Again, thank you so much to Gary for taking the time out to chat with me. I really enjoyed this conversation. If you want to check out Crit Grit and get some cheap, good tasting coffee, I highly recommend checking out that link in the description below to get a discount off of some Crit Grit coffee. A big thank you to you for watching it all the way through and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Until then, stay well. Stay well.